2: It is game day, finally here. Game day is here, the start of the regular season. I hope you all are or have enjoyed the first night of NBA basketball of the 2023-24 season. But it's the Orlando Magic's turn, and we're going to preview all things about the Orlando Magic with the voice of the Orlando Magic Radio Network, Jake Chapman, on today's episode of Locked On Magic.
3: You are locked on magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is or will be October 25th, 2023. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to chat with the radio voice of the Orlando Magic, Jake Chapman. Get a full preview of the Orlando Magic season, how expectations have changed the edge in the voice of the Orlando Magic as we get set for tonight's opening game against the Houston Rockets. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of, your de- part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown Podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for, the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Before we dive into the conversation with Jake Chavin, I just want to say a couple quick words um, about tonight's game. Um, you know, we are facing the Houston Rockets, the dreaded Houston Rockets, remember 1995. Um, and this is a game that's going to be a challenge. Uh, I know that the Rockets are not thought of as a great team. They had a terrible record last year. They ended up with the fourth pick in the draft uh, to take on Thompson. Thompson. Um, but this is a much different team than what we saw last year. Remember, Houston beat Orlando in the Amway Center early in the season last year. Led in the fourth quarter before a miraculous comeback, one of the best comeback wins of the season for the Orlando Magic, uh, where they used a 2-3 zone to completely flummox a young Rockets team. This is a Rockets team that, like the Orlando Magic, is on the come-up. They got a new coach in Aime Yodoka, who's gonna bring a lot more seriousness to them. They added veterans and Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to the team that is gonna, again, add to some, add some, some some, men- some maturity, some mentorship to this team. They've got another year of Jalen Green, who's a very good scorer, as Magic fans certainly know, uh, as well as a sophomore year in Jabari Smith Jr. And, and another young guy in from Shangun, who NBA nerds know, but you may not know, he's very, very good. This is a humongously challenging game for Orlando. And, and, and because, you know, you don't know what they're exactly going to look like with so many new faces and every, and so many new pieces. Um, But this is a challenging game for Orlando because – They've got to focus on themselves. Um, Jamal Mosley said it really well at, at, practiced, uh, at practice on Tuesday. The goal for this Orlando Magic team is to play better basketball. The way you play better basketball, you don't turn the ball over. You get back in transition. You finish defensive possessions with rebounds. That's that, that is. that Those are the three keys to the season. Those will be my three keys on the graphic, on, on my Magic Wands coming up. Those are the keys to the season. That is the central thing to the season. That is all that matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is important. Nothing else is relevant except those three things. The Magic do those three things. They're going to set themselves up for success. So tonight, yes, the Rockets are a very good team and I don't want to overlook them. Tonight, Wednesday night, and I might publish this on Tuesday night, but this opening game is about the Magic and what they're able to do. And that's the exciting part because this Magic team does have a lot to get excited about. and Certainly, we are excited to see what this team can do. And that's why I wanted to bring on Jake Chapman to chat a little bit about the Orlando Magic and about what he sees as he gets ready to call the season. Let's hear from Jake Chapman of the Orlando Magic Radio Network. And we are now joined by the radio voice of the Orlando Magic. It's Jake Chapman. You can hear him on the Orlando Magic radio network. I believe that's 96.9, the game here in Orlando. Uh, you can, If you're not in Orlando, you can check elsewhere. I think audio League passes is still a thing. Uh, but Jake, we are here on the eve of the Orlando Magic's 35th anniversary season. What's, what's your vibe on, on the season? I mean, I know I've talked a lot about vibes on my, on my end. I think fans are really feeling this year. What, what is, what is, what is this, what is today like getting ready for that first game?
3: It's on my end. It's exciting. Obviously it's, um, it's a lot of preparation that goes into getting set for the broadcast And the preseason obviously is where you work the kinks out so you're ready to kind of put on a show and have it be as close to flawless and it never will be um but you're ready to sort of do it for real which I guess is kind of similar to the way they're all feeling as far as the season goes I think you can speak to this Phil, as well as well as anybody I mean there's some very real positive vibes. There's some very real I think expectations. I think just the fact that the players and coaches aren't shying away from those um speaks to the level of confidence and, and the fact that I think everybody, contrary to maybe the past few years, everybody knows that they're they have a real chance to be a part of this. I think everybody knows their role. We're not going into the season thinking, well if we have this guy healthy then this might work. And we're not going into the season thinking we gotta get looks at these guys before February in the trade deadline. Um, you've got a somewhat set rotation. You've got a somewhat set, you know, top 15 and, and 18 with the two ways. Um, and so I, it, it feels like, you know, last year it was all about kind of leveling up. This year feels like sort of legitimizing what we've been building for, uh, toward the last couple of years. Um, and so it's exciting and, and, you know, nothing is more exciting than the first thing I mentioned, which is the fact that we're healthy. So I think you can count on, it can count on no matter what the first 25 games, not being a throwaway this year. Um, and this not being some massive fact finding mission, right? Like now you go out there and you have some expectations and, and, and winning is really the only thing that's going to be acceptable. Maybe not winning at as high a level as you hope to eventually, but at least showing some serious progress.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's really important. I mean, I, we we should take a, a moment and pause here. That that despite what Jamal Mosley said at, at practice today, the Magic may not be fully healthy heading into this opening game tonight against the Rockets. Uh, Kevon Harris is still dealing with that sore knee. Uh, Gary Harris was added to the injury list as well. So there's there's always something, but you know, I think. I think that brings up, you know, kind of reflecting on that, on, on, you know, the five and 20 start last year is being one of the main reasons why the magic weren't able to take, you know, maybe the step that, that they thought that they took, you know, or at least the record, not reflecting the steps that they took last year. We know continuity is a big deal for this team, but how big is the depth for this team? You know, being healthy, number one. So you have everybody in reserve, especially for a training camp, which this team hasn't had very often. Um, having everyone in reserve, but also adding in a veteran like Joe Ingalls. You know, rookies are rookies, they're gonna make mistakes, they're gonna struggle, but Anthony Black and Jed Howard adding to that, adding to that depth as well with what they might be able to provide. You know, I think I've said this a few times this week. I've sat in I've sat in this chair on this podcast and said, Oh, I think this magic team's really, really deep, and and it didn't prove to be true for, you know, just because you're banking on some guys developing, but this team really does seem like it's got some depth. What what kind of impact do you think that's gonna have?
3: I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because we all did it last year. We talked about depth, but we were talking about depth as far as guys you were hoping to develop, depth as far as guys that you needed to see on the floor because you weren't sure what exactly you had there. Um, not depth with winning in mind, I think necessarily. Like I Joe Engels comes in and he is a veteran, like he makes the team better no matter what, not to mention you know, the the minutes that he's going to be eating up, uh, he's a better player, right? period. Um, you, you think about having two lottery picks who are not going to be asked to do much until um, until they either force their way into the rotation or until an injury occurs, which will happen. Like Those guys are going to get um, opportunities. But I fully expect them to spend time at Osceola this year. Think about Gogo Bataze, who is like a pretty dang good third center if you look across the league at, at the depth at that position. So I think you obviously have depth in um, in in case of injury. You have depth just as far as uh, it's been three years of building this roster, a lot of young, good talent. But also, you know, again, contrary to years past, the guys, you know, your top 10 are all guys who have been in the system now for a while and guys that you can count on and guys who understand their roles. Um, that familiarity is so big and, you're not talking about just sort of Paul and fronds and filling in all the pieces around them. You know, some of the guys who have been here the longest are in the starting lineup with them and Markel uh, and Wendell, and then Cole's been here a long time now. At this point, you know, um, you think about that that bench, obviously with JI, but um, Gary Harris and Cole Anthony coming off the bench, like those are two pretty damn close to starting caliber guards um, to have in your in your second backcourt. So I, I think the depth is obviously. It's something that we talked about a lot when you're going, well, who's going to get the minutes? Who's going to be your start, you know, starting um, point guard? And, and what's your rotation going to look like? But now we're talking about depth uh, of guys who have been here. Um, and then you're talking about the guys kind of at the end of the bench of guys who will get opportunities, but guys who need to earn it first.
2: Yeah. And, and, and you know, again, I, I'm a big believer of this. You have a roster of, you know, now 18 players with the three, with the three two-way guys you're going to need every single one of them at some point this season. Uh, you know, I know the NBA is trying to get rid of load management, but the reality is not everyone plays 82 games. There's going to be a Caleb Houston game. There's going to be a jet Howard game. There there's going to be a, a, a Anthony black game, a game where they make some meaningful contribution to the team. And, you know, I think, you know, I always say this and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, people can disagree with this, the statement or not. NBA players are NBA players. What, what makes the difference between a good team and a bad team is asking players of a certain level to do more than they're capable of. You mm. know, last year, the magic meeting a big Kevon Harris game every night or needing a big Admiral Schofield game every night. And those guys are good players. And, you know, Admiral Schofield had games, had two or three games where he helped the team win. You know, Kevon Harris was key to that Golden State Warriors win. He's a very, very good player, but Are they, you know, and I think this is the thing that this team as a whole is going to have to continue to get better at is learning how to play every single night. And, you know, the fact of the matter is like, you don't want to rely on, you know, Kevon Harris to have to be a five rebound guy every night to to win games. And because of all the injuries, because of the lack of depth, that's where the magic were put at. And, you know, you look at the three, the three, uh, two way players this year, they're, they're good players. You know, I like Admiral, Admiral Schofield's done a lot of really good things. Kevon Harris has done a lot of really good things. Trevlin Queen's done a lot of really good things, but unlike, La- you know, you don't want them playing 30, 40 games like they like they have been for the last two years. And I think that's the biggest difference in the depth is, you know, the Magic have some talented players deeper on the roster. Like Patate is going to have some games where he's going to play some very big minutes and he's gonna, the Magic are going to need him to, to play well to win games. But you're not going to be leaning on that every single night because, you know, it, it, this might be a little harsh to say. But there's a reason guys slide into the roles they slide into, and 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 all that. That's 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 part of the NBA ecosystem, and it just it feels like this Magic team has that clarity of focus. We'll get back to our conversation with Jake here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Prize Picks. It is the start of the NBA season. It's the start of a new fantasy season for basketball. And look, all due respect to the other fantasy games, Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing fantasy sports, playing daily fantasy sports, winning up to 25 times my money this football season, this basketball season, anyway. Any any sport really. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. I'm actually gonna enter a prize pick entry right now. I'm gonna go through the list of players for this game, uh, for the Orlando Magic, if I if I can, if they're posted, and tell you the picks that I like. Looking at this Orlando Magic game, if I can get there fast enough, where are you? Uh, we got Palo Bancaro, 21 and a half points. It's really simple. All you have to do is click on Palo Bancaro uh and another player and say whether they're going to score more or less than their projected outcome. They got Franz Wagner at 17 and a half points. To me, that is easy, easy money. Markel Fultz at 13 half points. I'm going to do a three magic player, uh, three magic player prize pick. I'm going to pick the over on or the pick more on all of those. And I'm going to watch the money come in. Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday, Each Tuesday Prize Price Picks discounts select players' projections up to twenty five percent, right? Even more value and really guarantee that you get at least one right. With the Price Picks Reboot Policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and college football top twenty five matchups. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this in injury insurance. I love playing prize picks. I made a lot of money on prize picks. I continue to make a lot of money on prize picks and I continue to love playing this game. So go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code NBA for a first deposit match of up to $100.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you wanna say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you wanna protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique.
2: I want to ask you this. Um, you know, you've been at a lot of, you've been, you've been at a lot of media availabilities over the years. What, 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 how much of an impact has Jamal Mosley made on this team and, and their growth and development and, 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 and how is he going to be a big factor in, in this season? I think you just, whenever you hear
3: him talk, you, and, and you can speak to this too. He, he everything just feels genuine. Like, We've interviewed coaches before who feel like they're just giving you the line. They're just there because they need to be. I've interviewed coaches before who felt like car salesmen. You know, like I didn't believe anything that was coming out of their mouth. Um, with Coach Mosley, I think there's there's a sense of, and part of this is, I don't want to say that ex-coach or ex-players, especially like ex-really good players, um, none of them have this element to them. But like. He, he comes off as a grinder. Like, you know, Coach Mosley put in the work to get, to even carve out a professional career. Like he wasn't, you know, a first-round draft pick. He wasn't a, a well-known college prospect. He traveled around the world for the love of the game. And then he started really at ground zero um, in the coaching world and and worked his way up in the film room and scouting and X, Y, and Z. Um, so I think like automatically, whether it's Paulo Bancaro or Admiral Schofield, there's like something that they relate to with him. Um, and then I also think he had the appropriate level of patience, demeanor, um, communication skills to get through what I think we all knew were going to be two really difficult years the last two years. And what could be another one this year, right? Like we're still very young. We have expectations. But if it goes sideways at any point and, and one or two injuries can do that or, you know, a 10-game uh losing eight out of ten can can do that. Um I think he I think he knows how knew how to deal with the disappointment and knew how to sort of treat it as a learning educational development experience. But now and this is a tricky thing because if you build that culture and there's not really much expectations and hey it's okay. Everything's about learning the lesson and not making the same mistake tomorrow, it'd be real easy to get sucked into that young players especially so now it's going to be really interesting to see how do you how do you kind of turn it on a little bit? Um, how do you up the level of expectations? And and you know you lose you you know Phil you lose games in this league with the slimmest of margins. And so one leave your feet turnover can be the difference between winning and losing that night. And so he has I think you kind of get a sense there's a little bit more edge there when you talk to him. It feels like he's um, he's not going to put up with some of the stuff he has. In the first two years, and without like a really deep level of trust, I don't think you can you can kind of alter your management style um, unless they know that you, that what you're doing is is going to be for the betterment of the team, but then also for the individual, especially in the NBA. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I think especially these first two years, the one thing that that Jamal has done really really well is he's always kept the big picture in mind. Like I yeah. like I often tell people he he's coaching the team that this group is going to be. And he has this this very clear vision and it's, you know, I I think it's aligned with what Jeff Weltman and John Hammond in the front office are thinking too. Um, But he has a very clear vision of what this team's going to look like when they're successful. And he's been coaching this team to that level. And, And sometimes that meant sacrificing a game in the, in the mid, in the short term, to get a lineup out there and you just, you don't have rotation pieces to, you know, maybe sustain five minutes. Like I, I, I know I sat in this podcast and said, you know, the magic are really good at playing 40 minutes. And the, it's those last eight minutes that, that you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, last year, I think they got to like 44, 45, you know, and by the end of the season, I think they were playing 48 minute games. And, you know, I think, I think now we're starting to see that vision really come to fruition. We saw it defensively last year, for sure. and, You know, I you know I I we'll we'll get to expectations here, but this group really does believe they can be a top ten defensive team this year, and that is at the heart of what they're doing. And you know, he you know to get a team, especially a young team, that was five and twenty last year, I think a lot of young teams would have folded and would have you know really kind of gone inward, would have focused on themselves. You know, I I still think it's an incredible job that that Jamal Mosley so clearly like had the vision for what this team could be, was able to sell, you know, we talk about sales, about salesmen, like you still have to sell a little bit here, um, sold the team on this vision and they all still bought in and they got the, you know, they they obviously still fell short of the postseason, but they got the reward. They got the confidence of saying like, hey, we can compete here. And, and you know, I, I'm curious what you think. It feels like that confidence has, has rolled over into the season.
3: Well, I think, you look at a guy like Cole Anthony, right? Like, Coach Mosley first had to sell him on coming off the bench. And then, you know, now he's so sold that, I mean, you heard the way he was talking today. Like, I don't think there was any thought of him playing elsewhere. And a year ago, I don't know if that would have been the case. A year ago, he was probably thinking, where can I start? Where can I make the most money? And where can I be, you know, the impact player that I I think I can be? Um, So, first of all, Cole needed to to buy into the fact that the best way he's going to be able to help the team is coming off the bench, which I think – I think it's it's like that's not crazy, right? You're you're not taking an all-star caliber guard and asking him to come off the bench. Um, but every you know every player has irrational confidence, rightfully so, and 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 rational confidence in Cole's case, he's very close to uh, a starting caliber player. And who knows? If He was getting 36 minutes a night. What the numbers would look like? But what he did was he played his best season, right? Like he was he was the most efficient Cole Anthony we saw. And maybe some of that would have happened regardless because he's getting older and more experienced. But I think the proof's in the pudding then, right? Like, now Coach Buzzi can say, like, look, you did what I asked, and it kind of uh, reigned in parts of your game, but you still are full, Anthony. You know, I didn't ask you to um, to sacrifice too much. And we saw in the last seven games of last year how much it helped and, and, and how, um, how good a role that can be for you and how impactful it can be on the team. So I think Jalen's another one, right? Like, Jalen is – he's had a rocky first two seasons to his career. But And, and look, we, we're going to see how it works. But I think he, he came in with what felt like a different mentality uh, into this camp. Everybody is saying, you know, during the offseason, um, he's been kind of a different guy. I think all of that stuff happens, especially with young players, when they trust their leader. And, you know, it helps when you draft Franz Wagner and Paulo Bencaro. And now all of a sudden you've got, um, you've got kind of the backbone and everybody says, well, I, I, I want to be a part of this. Um, but you need all those guys to buy in. I look at Mo Wagner. We don't talk about him enough. We don't talk about a success story. Like, I mean, remember when we brought him in, it was just like, let's do?" It. by the way, before Franz Wagner was a member of this team, right? Like Mo did not arrive I, just, just
2: because I of was, that. Right. I was, I was out on him after that first season. Like I know the magic drafted Franz, but like after that, like. 12 game stint. I was just like I, I, I like I'll I'll take a freezing cold take on that. Like I was not in on him. I was like this, like yeah, he scores, but he doesn't do much else. He doesn't do the things that centers want to do. And he came back in 22, had a really nice season. doubled down on it with a really good season last year. And you know, like you know, I I still have some questions, obviously, but like I'm expecting. Like it's very clear. Like you're comfortable with him being the backup center this season. Like it and 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 he's. You know, he's he proved himself in the World Cup too with it on a on a championship team. I think he I think he took what I remember because I, I was I wasn't on him
3: after after the twelve game stint. Um mainly because there was like nothing really exciting about those uh, final thirty games. And at the very least, like he brings juice every night. Those are my favorite type players. I just like a guy um who you don't need to, to fire up. Like sometimes you need to rain him in, but um and I remember I did a podcast with him that summer and he knew straight up, he was like, if I can't do threes, I don't have a place in this league. Like I'm going to have to be able to space the floor. I'm going to have to do all the dirty work more so than I have. Because if you think back, I like guess he was an offensive player at Michigan and his first few years in the league, even though he didn't really have a ton of opportunities. But he was like a post guy. He was like a throwback guy. You know, he had a little pick and pop mid range game, but not his, his range did not extend at all. Um, and so I, I appreciate the fact that he did like going back to coach Mosley and on down, right. This, this goes down to Osceola and then Lakeland. Um, he trusted, he trusted the process, so to speak, trusted the program, trusted the coach. Um, and I do think, you know, when you start to look up and down the roster and there are guys who have been here for a while and guys who have developed, you know, Kevon Harris I guarantee he owes, you know, he he thinks about the opportunity that he had here and the development that he's had. Um, and that's, you know, that, that, that goes a long way with guys. They, they appreciate the opportunity, but then they certainly appreciate when they know they're in the right spot and they're develop, being developed properly. Because that's not always the case. You and I have seen bad coaches. We've seen guys who, who did not get poured into and then went elsewhere um, and flourished. And and so I think you feel comfortable if you're a player in this system that uh, they're going to do right by you.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a good thing that, you know, we talk about continuity and, and, and the benefits of it. And, and, you know, there's definitely an itching to, to try and do more. And, and, you know, you're, you know, a group that won 34 games last year, obviously still very young. There's obviously the chance to get better. There, there's always this itch to do more. There's always the shiny new toy out there. Um, but I think it still says something very, very big that all of these players wanted to stay, you know, Gary Harris had a fresh contract. He stayed, Um, you know, Cole Anthony signed the extension uh, on Monday. You know, he's staying, Um, you you know, Mo Wagner, you know, picked up, you know, had a team option, but you know, he, he signed and stayed, you know, Goga Batadze signed and was like really eager to eager to stay and happy to see that he got his option picked up. Like it it says something to me that all these guys want to be here. And really want to be a part of this project, and, and that's I think a, a big thing to say. Um, but for all the continuity that we've been talking about, there are changes to this team. Um, we saw in the preseason Jalen Suggs enter the starting lineup, and that's inevitably going to change some rotations and change some playing groups. So, there's the NBA has always change. You, you know, I always I always tell people in the NBA if you're not getting better, you're probably getting worse. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you see from from that group with Jalen Suggs in the starting lineup during preseason? And is this is this a move that that you think is going to going to pay pay off for this team?
3: I think what it does is it does some of the pressure defensively, obviously on Mo and and Franz, and really on everybody. I mean, he's he's complete game set or uh, set record. Um, game plan record when he's out there. He needs to stay out there, and so that's an injury comment and that's a foul comment. um But I I was looking at some of the numbers last year. Like he, I don't th- I think we undersold how much he improved last year f- from his rookie year. But his rookie year, the numbers were were pretty rough. So I think there are certain ways to use him. And like Gary, like Gary was so important to this facing, uh, of this starting lineup last year, the spacing facing the team in general. I mean, he was like by far your best perimeter shooter. And when you have Franz and Paulo you need spacers around them. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna emphasize Wendell a little bit, and it is gonna make you know between Markell and Dalen, one of those guys is gonna have to knock down spot up open threes. I'm not talking about shooting up the bounce threes. None of them are Steph. We, none of them are Damian Lillard. We're talking about kickouts and 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 open looks. Um, and I ha- I'm pretty confident they will. Jalen, when his feet are set, is 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 a much different shooter um, than when he's trying to do too much. So I think it's I, I think long term. I mean, you talk about Coach Mosley coaching and and designing this thing to what the team is going to be. I think long term it was the right move. I do think there's going to be times in the first 20 25 games of the season where Gary's closing out games. Gary's playing much more than Jalen is. Jalen might be in foul trouble. Jalen might be two of seven from three. Actually, that might not be bad. Jalen might be one of eight from three, and, and and you need and you need some um some spacing on the floor. But that's my big concern, Phil, and I think it's probably everybody's. Is like, can you shoot the ball well enough to let Franz and Paolo operate? And and, and that's going to be the big thing I think all season probably. It if if they shot the ball near league average last year for three, they're easily a playoff team based on the way they finished. Uh, and defend it from from December whatever on. I mean, it was that was really they turned the ball over. The Five and twenty start was difficult to to overcome. But if you clean up turnovers a little bit and just shoot the ball a little bit better, then I think they finished twenty third. But it was pretty bad for a while there. Um, then then I think you're great.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, that was honestly the most exciting part of the preseason because, you know, the turnovers are the turnovers, you know, I've talked about this a lot, you know, every time that, that Jeff Altman has talked about playing better basketball, which has kind of been the rallying, which has kind of been this year's level up. um, It's been, we got to reduce mistakes and and turnovers are giving away shot attempts. Like, you know, you can't give away those possessions, especially when you're a team, you know, I think the magic, Know everyone at this time of year says they're going to play faster, but if you're you know the Magic trying to pick up the pace a little bit, uh, they, they can't turn the ball over, they gotta be more effective with the ball and more and value those possessions better. Um, but you know, honestly, the thing that I got really excited about in the preseason was how well the Magic did getting you know three pointers, their three point shooting, their three point shooting was up, their three point attempts were up. They, you know, first, whatever you want to say about preseason stats, my favorite preseason stat. The Magic led the league in corner three-pointers per game uh, in the preseason, according to NBA.com. They took 12 corner threes per game uh, during the preseason. Attempts. They led the league in attempts. They led the league in makes. They led the league in, in field goal and three point field goal percentage from the corners.
3: Um, I did not realize that. I, 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 off the top of my head, you go back to Wendell in that Pelicans game, the first preseason game. You hit what three or four of them, or something.
2: And that's 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 when I that's when I picked up on it like immediately because he had like two or three in the he had two or three attempts in the first quarter alone, and like even like look, there's a lot of fat in the preseason, and I will fully admit that the man, you know, this is this is a stat that I memorized because I've been obsessed with it all preseason. Um, the Magic averaged six point three corner three point attempts per game last year, according to NBA.com. Um, they averaged 6.1 in the first half of their preseason games this year. Fantastic. Um, which is just like that to me, like, and corner threes are important because A, they're the most efficient threes on the court because they're the closest to the basket. They're also the, you know, they're also really the only threes that you can only get by passing the ball. Like you're right. not. You're not isoing to get a corner three. That that just doesn't happen. So that means your offense is working all the way through and getting the ball getting the ball to a quality spot on the floor. And, and this was a low pass team in terms of just raw passing numbers last year. Obviously, they didn't make as many shots, um, so they're low assist team. Uh, but even their potential assists, if you go on the second spectrum data, they're pretty low on potential assists per game. So the fact that the ball was moving so well in their first three preseason games, we can throw out the flamingo game the Magic had at least 27 assists um, in, in each of those games. They had 23 against mango, So that's, you know, about their average last year. Um, they, they had at least 27 assists in the first three preseason games. So to me, that suggests they're, they're, you know, we talk about that edge that the Magic might have. There's a higher focus on executing and moving and sharing the ball on offense. And I think there was last year. And that's with you know maybe Paolo not being as aggressive or Markel not being as aggressive or Franz not being as aggressive as they could be. That's I think just coming off of basic reads and sets that they're trying to run. So you know it's it's going to be you know we don't know what's real in the preseason. You know we're going to find out a lot uh, tonight tonight against Houston Houston. Um, but to me like if I have a hot take to make about the Magic this year or a prediction that I'm I'm willing to like kind of bet the house on the streak of the Orlando magic having one of the 10 worst offenses in the league is ending this year. Um, they haven't had a, a, a an offense out of the bottom 10 in offensive rating since Dwight left in 2012. <sighs> I think that, I think that streak is ending this year. I, I am, I am after what I saw in preseason, I am very convinced that, 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 that I think it's a, end. that seems like a safe bet. You've got two of the best young forwards mm-hmm. in the
3: league, right? Like you've got, there are pieces there to be a very good offensive team. I don't think they're going to be Phoenix, but like, there, it it should fit, and it really does come down to what you just said, right? You have to space the four. I think those corner threes are huge. It was Gary Harris's domain last year. Well, he's not in the starting lineup anymore, so Wendell's going to have to knock them down at times. And Paul and Franz, frankly, like it. Would, I mean, just imagine what those two adding a bit more uh, to their perimeter game. How that will open things up even more so for them. And then when you just because it seems to me like that. Jalen in the starting lineup, like I have felt like they, they've been on a string kind of offensively. Like everything has felt very crisp um, and fluid. And then you, when you go into that second unit, we, there was one game, only one game, I think the second Pelicans game where Ingles and Harris were on the floor at the same time. But those, you know, I'm not worried about those guys, right? Like those are, are going to be the spacers. And then you get Cole in there. Obviously, you're going to mix and match um these rotations quite a bit but boy a second unit with gary harris and joe ingles and cole anthony like that could that could be absolutely lethal don't even get me started on jonathan isaac he's part of it like let's go
2: yeah and 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 again to your point in the preseason we did not see the magic do any rotations they were platooning you know they were sending three three you know essentially the bench players played with the bench players the starters played with the starters we didn't get to see Franz play with the bench players like he's pro- like he did last year. He's probably gonna do again this year. We didn't see kind of the mixing and matching and, and blending. We didn't see any experimental lineups that I think a lot of us are intrigued at least to see, you know, maybe like a lineup with Isaac Paolo and Franz together, either with one at the center or one at the two.
3: Oh, uh, do you have deja vu the Mo Bamba Bobo, all seven footers slide <laughs> up?
2: I mean, but like at least that, we're not like,
3: talking about that, Phil.
2: But you know, to, to that point though, like the, like the way the Magic are trying to play, like if there is like a, a an organizational philosophy it or, or a strategic philosophy, it's we just want to play our five best players. Like, you know, there was that quote last year, you know, during the height of Bowl Bowl Mania, uh, where a scout said, you know, everyone talks about positionless basketball, but the Magic are the one team that just said F, you know, just said F it, let's do it. Um, but like, you know, you look at the preseason, we got a lot of Paolo coming downhill and swinging the ball to the corner. We got a lot of Franz coming downhill. The Magic, like, positions matter until they don't, but like the magic of two, six foot 10 passing forwards, like, like a lot of like what they did you know, like I joked about this a little bit last year, but like bull bull felt like, you know, somewhat like let's do proof of concept to see if like big forwards can work in the NBA and they didn't, and it didn't, it didn't because of him. But, you know, I joked with people that, you know, bull bull felt like a little bit of like, Let's test some things out for in case we get Wembenyama and see, you know, how, how much we can warp the floor. And, you know, I think we're still seeing a lot of those principles that they, you know, again, like I talked about, the bigger picture was always in focus. They're always thinking about the team they're going to be, not necessarily the team they are. You know, they, I, want, I think they wanted to keep things really simple for Palo last year. It was his rookie year. They didn't want to throw too much at him. They, they, you know, they they expanded his game in some ways. He, you know, they certainly gave him more responsibility as the season went on. But they kept things fairly simple for him last year. They're going to layer on more stuff for him this year. They're going to trust him to be a bit, bit of a better playmaker. They're going to, you know, expect him to be more efficient with his dribbling and more efficient with his shooting. They're going to expect him to be a better defender. He showed us in the World Cup that he can defend at a very high level. And I, you know, honestly, I, I if I'm going to make another hot take here. Um, I don't know how top my takes are. They're, they're pretty cool. Um, but you know, I think the magic care more about Palo's growth as a defender this year than his growth as a score. I don't think they're, you know, I think they hope that he can continue building on his scoring and building on his efficiency. But if he comes out of this year, looking like a, a much better defender than he was last year as a rookie, I think they'll take that as a victory knowing that, Hey, he's, the scoring's going to be there. Like, like people who are like, worried about Paolo bancaro scoring in preseason i'm like that dude's been put on this earth to do one thing and that's put the ball in the basket he's gonna be fine he he told us that after after the pel after the second pelicans game that he's he's not worried i'm not worried it, he's gonna he's gonna come out tonight and and show show us why i i'm sure when um, you're,
3: i was just gonna say when you're Paolo and everything is rooted in like raw physicality you can turn it on and off right like you
0: can play a preseason
3: yeah. game at, at this level and then t- and tonight i i doubt we'll see him uh pelican palo
2: yeah for for sure I mean, we definitely won't see preseason palo that that, pre-season is, that is for sure Paolo, no. um let's 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 end here then um the 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 edge that you talked about earlier um you know does feel like there's i don't want to say urgency because that doesn't feel like the right word but there's definitely a a bigger focus from this team there you know I've been covering you know you've been you've been around this team long enough I've been around this team long enough where some iterations of this team actively avoided saying playoffs saying postseason saying anything beyond the season this team is not hiding from any of that this team I think expects itself to make the playoffs so I, I want to kind of ask this the question this question then is this a postseason or bust type season? Does d- does this team need to make the postseason for this year to be considered a success?
3: Yeah, I think so. Like, I could see. I, I don't know if it's if it's the last day of the year and and the ball bounces the other way, and you feel like you did a lot um, of growing, but like it just, I, I think everybody saw last year what this group was capable of in those last 57 games or whatever. And I think having a young enough group where everybody knows that like, okay, if I go home and I work on this and I come back and I'm a little bit better at this and he's a little bit better at this and it's all going to click. If we just have this group together for 82 games. Um, who knows what can happen? It's just, buy- it just feels like there's buy-in sort of across the, um, across the way. And like, that is unique because almost no matter what you've got some mismatch of uh, uh, veterans who have been here and don't want to be here anymore and are probably on their way out or you know uh, veterans trying to protect their jobs with rookies underneath them or whatever and um am I going to get mine and there is like there's just no agendas this year um that changes quickly right like success alters all of that like um I, but I think that's what's unique about this group is you typically don't have a whole bunch of 26 and unders like almost all of them um, who want to be on the same team together and, and think that they can all kind of achieve their individual uh, and, and collective goals in this situation, like with this group. And it just feels like you have a whole lot of buy-in as opposed maybe to years past. I like the fact that they're uh, embracing the expectations. I think it's, you know, I, I think saying, not saying playoffs is stupid, like, and, and I, we probably all read a little bit too much into it. Um, but I do think, like, you know, you wouldn't have really dared ask that question last year because you knew heading into last year was was going to be kind of a long shot to, to end up there. They needed to make a big leap last year, and they did, obviously. Um, so I think it's – I think the timing is right for everybody from – coach on down and then media and fans alike to to say like okay let's see it like it, it, and i don't think if it comes up a little bit short that means wholesale changes are coming um but i do think that it, it's okay to expect growth compared to what we saw last year and basically you know if if you play the way you did the last 57 games for 82 games then you are a playoff team this year i think
2: Yeah, I, 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 I agree completely, completely with that. You know, I, I, I've kind of been hedging my bet. I like, look, I I will say this unequivocally I expect this team to make the play in tournament. I expect this team to be, you know, my, my, you know, if the magic want to take this, please do mission 83. The goal this year is to play an 83rd game done Matt, you know, in season tournament. Great. That'd be, that'd be fun too. But the goal this year is to play beyond game 82 of the regular season uh, to play that eighty third game, I think that should be kind of the ra- that should be the rallying point. That should be what this team expects to do. Um, I've real been quick, my- real quick, our yeah. internal mantra
3: has been working in May. We just want to be working in May <laughs> this
1: year.
2: I like I like that one. I like that one too. Um, if we could get to Memorial Day, it's been a while since we've done that. All but right. Um, uh, we want we want to we want to be watching the NBA draft lottery because it's coming on before our game.
3: <laughs> exactly. 100%. That's, I do not that's, that's, want that's to be planning up, right? my lottery watch party this year, please. Ex-
2: exactly. Exactly. Um, Jake, uh, I, I want to thank you for, for hopping on. Hopefully we can have you on uh, during during the season. Uh, just check in on where things are at. Um, tell everyone where, where they can find you on, on socials as well as how they can listen to the magic on, on the radio if they are unable to, unable to do so otherwise.
3: For sure. You nailed it. You got my Twitter account right there. That's perfect. Yeah. At Jake Chapman, O M, um, Orlando magic audio network. You can listen via the magic app. If you're in the central Florida area, the little listen live button or on 96, nine FM, uh, our flagship station. And then like Phil said, the NBA league audio pass anywhere around the world, it's 10 bucks. You get the whole season and you can listen to us.
2: Yeah, and I believe uh, if you're SiriusXM, I think they also uh, put all the Magic games Correct. on there as well. Um, which you know SiriusXM is a partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network, so you might hear my voice during commercial commercial breaks there. I love it. Um, Jake, Jake, uh, uh thank you again for joining, and and let's let's have a great year.
3: Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Appreciate all the work you do. We'll uh, we'll see you along the line, but.
2: I want to thank Jake for stopping on the podcast and chatting with us a little bit about the upcoming season for the Orlando Magic. You can, of course, check him out on the Orlando Magic Radio Network, wherever you listen to the Orlando Magic, whether that's on the Orlando Magic app, whether that is uh, on the radio on 96.9 The Game, whether that is on Audio Leak Pass, or uh, from our good friends at SiriusXM. Um, you can listen to every game. You can listen to every Magic broadcast if you're a SiriusXM subscriber, as well as on your SiriusXM uh, device. Uh, or, or, you know, I, I don't know, is it called a radio still? I don't know. It's not. It's not really the same anymore. Um, but that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, you could have. Uh, yeah, you know, let's let's get. Let, I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. I forgot my spiel already. It's the start of the season. I'm so excited. Um, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philip r underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, your Twitter and Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the public similar podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, you can, of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. And be sure to check out my Patreon page for immediate reactions from the Orlando Magic's opening game against Houston Rockets, as well as a shoot-around report in the morning to get you ready for tonight's game, for this opening game. The NBA season is here. I'm excited for the journey. 82 games to go. Let's get to it. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip rossman Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.